And we want to go today um, into the gospel. If we could put that up there for me this morning. go into the gospel today this beloved electronics all of my notes just vanished that's good isn't it that's right All right. I want to go to this uh, portion of Scripture here today. I want to look at this because um, this Sunday we're going to be talking. I'm going to jump over the first part of this chapter, but then I'm going to go to the next part and uh, pick it up here today. But on next Sunday, I'm coming back to the first part of this chapter. All right. Got me? And uh, we're going to be talking about the road. Uh, that Jesus walked into on Palm Sunday and coming into Jerusalem. But I'll, I've been studying here, but I want to um, just go to this first portion of Scripture here today and jump over that and go to verse 12. And the Bible says there that then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seat of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priest and the scribes saw uh, the wonderful things that he had did, and the children cried out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the Son of God, they uh, were indignant. Right? And he said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise? Amen? You have perfected praise. And so today I want to look at these uh, portions of Scripture and want to uh, look at it this morning uh, for our consideration and just believe the Lord to help us on today. Amen. Father, thank you today that we have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and a will to draw near to you. We thank you that the kingdom of God is advancing and for your purpose and for your plan, we are here today. And we believe you, Father, that you are going to touch our hearts and prepare us for what you have in our future. So now we pray that the word of the Lord will find a lodging place in our hearts and that we will be challenged, changed, and transformed by your goodness and your grace. And we thank you for this now in Jesus' name. And amen. Amen. In 1 Corinthians 6 and 19, it says, What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you and which 
you have of God and you are not your own. And so what we see here is, is that we are the natural temple in the New Testament, right? In the Old Testament, there was a, a tent of transfer. There was a tent of moving. It was spoke of being mobile. It was not God's plan, neither uh, was it his end result, but it was something that they wanted. And so they built a tabernacle uh, of, that was transferable. We later on see that Solomon would build a temple uh, to the Lord, but it was all shadows and types of what was to come. And that was that in this new covenant, in this new relationship, that we would have a better covenant, Hebrews calls it, that we would be the temple, that we would be the place that God occupies. And so when we look at these scriptures here and, and we see this, when we see the temple, then we, we, we look at that and we relate it to ourselves and we can see what God intends and desires for us in our life, right? And the first thing that he tells them here is that he goes into the temple and and Jesus goes off on them, right? He goes off on them. And, and people say, well, you know, that they would uh, like for Jesus to be their pastor. And, but, but you couldn't handle Jesus being your pastor. <laughs> we, we couldn't handle that. He, he, he just straight up, he didn't, he didn't take no junk and he didn't take any hostages. He just put it down and you had to deal with it. And, and Jesus comes into the temple and he goes off on them. It isn't that he's having a bad day or he's in a bad mood, but it is the fact that he has already dealt with this same issue uh, two or maybe three times before. And he, is there, he goes into the temple and they're buying and selling doves in the temple and he has already addressed this. He has told them before that you're not to do this. Now, whenever I was growing up, what that meant was is, you know, how many remember the uh, Southern gospel groups and singers that come along and you weren't allowed to sell your tapes and your CDs in the church, right? That was, you had to do it outside on a, on a table outside, but you couldn't sell them in the church. And this is where they got that scripture to, uh, to build it on, is that you're not to make it a, a place of merchandise. But, but it wasn't the fact that they were buying and selling doves. They were supposed to be doing that. That was uh, for those who traveled a long distance that could not bring things of their own, that they could buy a sacrifice or they could bring buy something at the temple to be bring as a sacrifice and they was paying for that the problem was is they was taking advantage of people and charging them two and three times more for what a turtle dove should uh, be costing them so they was making a profit off of people wanting to worship right they was making a profit and so Jesus deals with this issue on two or three different times and he comes back to the temple and finds them doing the same thing again and that's when he goes in there and starts kicking over tables amen now how many know if if he's turning over tables it isn't cute he didn't just go in there and grab the table and just say oh my no, he, he was knocking some stuff over. He was letting them know, I mean business about this, right? And, and I believe that. I believe that he was angry. He, he, and he, the Bible says it's all right to get angry. Just don't sin. 
Amen? Anger, but sin not. And so we have emotions. God's created us like that. But we see that what he is doing here is he says that, that my house is to be a pure house. My house is to be somewhere where that is purity, where that you come to and people are not taking advantage of other folks, that, that we're not trying to manipulate and we're not trying to get one over on somebody. But the house of God should be a house that can be trusted. Can somebody say amen? It ought to be a place that your yes is yes and your no is no. It ought to be a place where that when we come together that we know that everybody has our best interest at heart and so we're not worried or on edge. There's somebody trying to take advantage of me. Is somebody trying to get one over on me. But this is a place of purity. And so God is wanting that for his house. If we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, then we have to be a pure house. In Joshua chapter 7, we read of the story where that Achan, that, that he was told, they was, you know, there was the story where they go in and they take out Jericho and they take out all of these things. And, and we see that, that uh, as they had uh, uh, spoiled their enemy, that the Bible tells them, he said, this first city that I'm going to let you overcome, you don't touch anything. It all belongs to me. It's mine. And whenever uh, they got there and they spoiled the city, they overtook their enemy. And then Achan got to looking around and he seen the, the goodly robes. He seen the gold. He seen the silver. He seen everything that was there. And he said, well, you know, nobody will ever know about this wedge of gold. Nobody will ever know about this silver. And he gathers some of it up for himself and he takes it and he hides it right in his tent. And the scripture says that, that they go up against Ai, a little old place, a little old community, just a small bunch of people there. And suddenly what they could not accomplish or they did accomplish easily, handily in Jericho. Now they go there and they are not able to take Ai because there was disobedience, because there was impurity. Whatever, what I'm trying to tell you is today is that God has something he wants to do, but he's not going to do it through an unfiltered or defiled house. He is going to do it. He isn't uh, putting it on, uh, on blue light special. He isn't de depleting and bringing his level down so that he can accommodate you and I. We've got to believe the word of the Lord. You see, our standard is the word of God, and it doesn't matter what year we're living in. It doesn't matter what culture is doing. Our standard for living is still the word of God. And so we see that Achan, he goes in, he gets this, and now they're not able to overtake Ai, and, and I don't have time to talk about it and don't really understand it, but one man, because of one man's disobedience, all of Israel suffered the consequences. Amen. All of Israel suffered the consequences because this one man decides he wants to get the gold and the silver and get him a robe and put it into his tent. And we see that, that they were unable to take AI and they weren't able to go forward until they dealt with the issue. 
Amen. There's some things in our lives and we, we wonder and we say, God, why is it that we can't do this? Or why is it that we can't move forward? And sometimes we don't need to be pointing fingers at other people. We need to get in our place of prayer and say, it's not my brother nor my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, that is standing in the need of prayer. I'm the one. Search my heart, O oh God, and see if there be any wicked way in me so that I may be able to stand in a place to believe God and to trust God and know that his word is going to work in our life. Amen. What caused Jesus to lose it? He lost it because they were taking advantage of his people. If we are going to see the demonstration of power that God intends to release into the earth, then we have to be people that are willing to purify ourselves, to cleanse ourselves. There are some things that God will do for you. There's other things you have to do for yourself. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 5, he goes through all of these things. He's relating the marriage to a, of a man and a woman to his church and in this relationship of marriage. And, and he, then he goes on and he talks about the cleansing. And he says that in, there in chapter 5 of Ephesians, he talks to us about washing your hands. How do you wash your hands? Washing uh, through the word of God, Right? The Word of God will purge us. The Word of God will cleanse us. As we take on the Word of the Lord, it'll wash away bad thoughts. It'll wash away a bad attitude. Right? It'll cleanse us and redeem us from, uh, from acting uh, uh, out and doing things our own way. And, and, you know, we can make excuses for it or we can wash ourselves. Amen. Well, that, that's just the way my family is. But that ain't your family no more. You were born again. <laughs> Amen. That's, that's my grandma coming out in me. She's gone. Bless her heart. But, but you don't, we don't make excuses for the way we act. We don't make excuses. We got to purge ourselves. We got to cleanse ourselves. And we do that through the washing of the word. As the word gets inside of us, it'll cleanse our mind. It'll cleanse our heart. It will wash away those impurities that are in our life so that we can uh, begin to experience the goodness of God in our lives. Can you say amen? We know that in Joshua chapter 6, that Rahab, the Bible said she was a harlot, but she saved her whole house. How did she do that? She did that by allowing the Lord to cleanse her, to make her pure, to make her, to make her what she, that God desired for her to be. And, and through a scarlet robe or a thread, if you will, she, she was able to save her whole house. Whenever we are a people of the kingdom of God, we may be the only one in our family that's saved. We may be the scarlet thread that is able to save the whole house. But if we are not in a place of, of walking with the Lord in purity, then we will never be able to be used in that way. You see, it's, it, God wants us to be the, the first fruit. 
We may be the first one saved in the family, but he never intended for us to be the only one saved in the family. We are just the first fruit. And, and so whenever we uh, see that, that uh, what happened with Achan, people say, well, why'd God get so upset about that? Because you don't mess with what belongs to God. You don't mess with the tithe. You don't mess with his offering. You don't mess with the first fruit, right? And, and, and that is the thing that belongs to God. And so our tithe is a tenth. It is the first 10% of our increase, of our income. And, and, and that 10% doesn't even belong to you. We're not even giving that. If, you don't, if it don't belong to you, if, if this phone right here doesn't belong to me, I can't give it to Darren. Because it's not mine. Right? And so if the first fruit, the ten, first 10% doesn't belong to me, then I'm not giving it to God. Right? I'm bringing it to him. But it's in my offering that I give to him. I'm giving something now because it's above my 10%. It's above the first. And so I know that 10% belongs to God. And so, it, you know, and, and we can read through the scripture and thank God for grace and the, the new covenant. But, but in the old, under the old covenant and under the law, uh, you know, it, there wasn't no, no shade. There wasn't no in-between. There wasn't no middle. There wasn't no grace. It was, you know, you do wrong and you get fried. Amen. But now we have a choice. We can bring God the first and let him be glorified in our life or we can hold on to it and we're not going to get fried. But we'll never, it will, will not release the blessing of God upon our life that he desires for us to have. And so it's not God trying to get something from you. I, I want to, you to hear me today. God doesn't need your 10%. You need to give it. Because it opens up heaven to everything that is contained in the heavens can be released into our life. And so God's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to get something to you. And that's what we miss sometimes. But when we are willing to purify ourselves and cleanse ourselves through the word of the Lord and through seeking his face, then he begins to open up and he begins to release something in our life. And, and that's what God knew. He said, there's 10 cities. You bring me the first and you get everything else out of the nine. That's a pretty good deal, ain't it? Everything else you can have in the nine cities but this first city everything belongs to me amen there's there, 10 is the number of testing 10 is the number of tribes right dan being the last uh, tribe that would come through the the, the uh, in the wilderness it would look like a cross if you was to look at it from above it looked like a cross that was moving through the wilderness dan would be the last tribe it was the that dam that judged dam that shut the door of the past dan was the one that went through and, and judged everything and shut the door behind them uh, so to speak and moving forward we know that there were 10 tribes we know that there were 10 commandments 10 is the number of testing but then we begin to see that not only is there time of purity but when there's also a time of prayer he said my house should be called a house of prayer amen now this 
this church, it, it, it should be known as a place of prayer, but, but as it relates to us talking here today, we're not talking about this church, we're talking about us. We are the temple, right? And so we should be people of prayer. Just as God expected in the natural temple for there to be a place of prayer. The Bible says that the fire of God, the fire on the altar never went out. The priest would take care of the altar. The priest would make sure the fire continually burned on the altar. And so there we should have a place of prayer inside of us. It isn't a, it isn't a, a, a something that we do every once in a while, but it should be a lifestyle. Of prayer one great man of God was asked he said how many hours a day do you spend in prayer and he said I don't know that I can tell you of an hour that I ever spent in prayer but he said I can tell you that I can't remember an hour that hasn't went by that I have not prayed it's not in how long we pray it is in the mindset that we have to pray that we have it on our heart, that we, we pray while we're going down the road. Now, yes, there should be times, as we've been encouraged to do, there should be times set aside to pray individually as well as corporately. But it ought to be a spirit of prayer where that we pray at work. We pray going down the road. We, it may be a five-minute prayer. It may just be somebody comes to your mind and you pray for them, right? It don't have to be intense. It don't have to be long. But you have to have a spirit of prayer. And whenever we begin to do that, then we are a, a lifestyle of prayer. It changes everything. Amen. Now, here's what I want us to see. God expects you and me to be people of prayer. He expects our life to be people of prayer. Now, after Elijah found out the plan of God for rain, the Bible says that he went and began to pray. Now, here's where we get messed up sometimes. We, we think it's God's will for this to happen, and then we just think it'll happen. But prayer is the umbilical cord that brings everything that is in the heavens to manifest or bring life to it in the earth. And if there is nobody in the earth praying the will of God that is in the heavens, then there is no transfer from the heavens to the earth. And so after Elijah heard that it's time for it to rain, they've been in a drought for three and a half years, right? And now he hears that it's time for it to begin to rain. It, it's interesting that he don't just say, okay, I heard from God and it's about to rain now. No, immediately he goes to prayer. He gets himself, if you study it and look at it, he gets himself in a birthing position of how that the women would give birth in, the time, uh, in that time and in that season. And he gets himself in that birthing position and begins to pray. And he tells his servant, go look on the mountain and see if you see anything. Right? Is there any manifestation of what God said is coming yet? And he's praying and he sends him and he comes back and his messenger says, no, I don't see anything. Right? He says he don't, he don't, he don't quit. He don't start eating. He don't go anywhere. He just goes back to praying because he heard what God wanted. 
So he begins to pray again. He sends his messenger again. He says, I don't see anything. He doesn't stop. He goes back to prayer and begins to pray because he has heard in the spirit what God has declared in the heavens. And now he knows that he has to be that source that brings life to it in the earth. So he continues to pray. He sends his servant again. And this time he says, I see a cloud about the size of a man hand right it isn't big it don't look like much it doesn't even look like it's possible but he jumps up and says go tell Ahab he said is abundance of rain I hear the sound of an abundance of rain glory to God why because he had prayed he had given life in the earth to what God said in the heavens and I'm telling you today that God wants your sons and your daughters saved God wants your spouse to be saved he he wants people all over this this valley to be delivered from a spirit of depression and oppression that is upon their life he wants us to live a life of joy and victory and not of defeat but we've got to pray it into the earth we We've got to declare in the earth what God has already created in the heavens. And if there is not somebody in agreement in the earth, we will never, even though it is there for us, we will never see the manifestation of it in the earth. Amen. Amen. Elijah prayed because he knew the will of God. We know the will of God. We've got the word of God. But are we praying until we see it manifest? In Luke chapter 18, he gives us a warning. He said, he spoke a parable to this end that men ought to always pray and not faint. Men should always pray and not faint. If you break that down, what that is telling us is that if you don't pray, you will faint if you don't pray you will faint I was thinking about this even this morning as I was praying and preparing uh, today you know a whole lot of folks issues could be solved if we had just pray just pray Real simple, just pray. And it leads me to believe how weak the Christian prayer life really is. Because there's so many people fainting. Not being judgmental, not being critical, just being real. A lot of people are fainting and according to this scripture, the reason we faint is because we're not praying. Because according to this scripture, if I'm praying, I cannot faint. Amen. If we're praying, we cannot faint. It doesn't mean that we won't have trouble. It doesn't mean we will not have difficulty. But what it does mean that in the trouble and in the difficulty, I will not grow weary in my well-doing. I will not grow weary in my prayer life. 
I will not grow weary because I know I'm not going to get it faint in this because I know that in my, whom I have believed, I know in whom I am praying, I know in whom I am trusting, and so I am going to believe the word of the Lord, right? And so how can we cure a lot of our own problems and our own issues in our life? Just go back to praying. Amen. You don't need a silver tongue evangelist. You don't need no prophecy. You don't need no. Just pray. Amen. And if we do the fundamentals, right? That's what coaches will always tell you. When you don't know what to do, go back to the basics. When you don't know what to do, go back to the fundamentals. Go back to the root. And sometimes when we're getting weary, sometimes when we, we get in trouble, sometimes whenever things aren't going our way, what do we do? We don't need no super duper new revelation. We got to do what we know to do. And we know prayer works. Come on. We know prayer works. We know that God hears our prayer. And, and whenever we'll pray, things will begin to shift and begin to change in our life. And so whenever we do this, we begin to pray and we seek the face of God. He promised me that if I just pray, I won't faint. Prayer brings life to God's plan in the earth. He says, I'm going to have a pure house. I'm going to have a praying house. And he said, if I can get a pure house and I can get a praying house, then I'll have a powerhouse. A life of purity, a life of prayer will always produce a life of power. Amen. Just live right. Power to live right. Power to talk right. Power to do miracles. People have asked me before, they say, how can you preach with such authority? Because I believe the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I don't have nothing to lose. My name's not on the line, his is. Amen. And if you believe his word, you can declare his word. And his word will work in your life. Amen. When you're a house of purity and a house of prayer, it's going to draw ministry to you. It'll draw ministry. And the power of God will be on display. In 2 Kings chapter 4, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet cried out to Elijah and said, uh, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know of my servant that your servant feared the Lord. The creditors are coming to take my two sons to be slaves. And so Elijah said to her, uh, What shall I do for you? He said, tell me, what do you have in your house? <laughs> now think about that. My, my husband's dead. My creditors are coming to get my sons and take them off into slavery to pay for this debt. And Elijah says, what do you have in your house? Sounds just like a preacher, doesn't it? Somebody down on their luck and he wants to know, what do you got for me? No, that wasn't his intent at all, was it? What do you have in your house? In time of need, God wants to know 
what you have in your house, in your temple? What do you have for him to work with? Are you, do you have prayer on the altar? Have you cleansed your hands through the reading of the word? Is your heart pure before the Lord? Huh? Do you have a, do you have a prayer on the altar? Do you have something for God to answer? Right? One man of God challenged me in my early years of ministry, and, he, and, and not only ministry, but in Christianity, and he said that you should always have something you're believing God for. There ought to be always something in your heart. There ought to be always something that, that activates your faith, that you believe in God to do something supernatural in your life. God says to, through his servant, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your temple? And she says, all my, your maidservant has is a, a jar of oil and, a little, and, and, and that, that's all I have, right? And he says, you know the story. Go and borrow a vessels. Don't borrow a few, but get everything you can. In other words, he said, borrow as much as your faith will allow you to believe God for. And she goes around the community, gets all of these barrels, brings them back to her house. And, 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 and the story, he, he, the Bible says that he takes this, this a little bit of oil that's there and begins to pour the oil out. And after he fills all of the barrels that has these oil here and they're all filled and he says, where's the rest? And she says, that's all I have. And she takes that oil and she sells that oil, pays off her debt, and the remainder of it is, is her retirement. Amen. She lives off of it the rest of her life. What do you say? And I'm telling you that what was in her house is all that she needed. And a lot of times we're looking outside. Now, I'm not talking about new age here. I'm talking, you know, there's a lot of stuff new age almost got it right on. They almost got it right in the fact that you can look in yourself. But if God's not on the inside of you, there's nothing to find. But because the fact that he lives on the inside of us, then everything that we need, he says he gives us that pertains to life and godliness. So it's already on the inside of us. And she looks in and she sees that, that what she has, uh, just this little bit of oil, was more than enough. And I want to tell you today, you may be sitting here and say, well, Pastor, I would love to believe that, but I can't pray like that. I can't believe God, but, but God's just not looking for you to pray pray like somebody else. I can't pray like my dad. I can't pray like my mama, but I can pray like me. Come on. Amen. And I can believe God for myself. I can believe God's not looking for you to look at somebody else and say, I can't pray like this one or pray like that one. He's saying, what do you have in your house? Not what somebody else has, but what do you have in your house? And it may look like it's insignificant. It may look like it's just a little jar of oil. But I'm telling you today, if that's all you have in your life, then that's all you need for God to work a miracle in your life because he 
he's a God of power. He can show up and he can take the darkest night and turn it into day. He can take the sorrow and turn it into joy. He can take the morning and turn it into dancing. All he is looking for is you to have a yes on your altar to put it, say here's what I have in my hand. I'm going to give it to you and as release that to him. He'll do what only God can do because he really is a God of power. Amen. When we walk through this life, it is sometimes the thing that we take for granted that can make the difference. Think about it. Just a little bit of oil. Who thinks about oil till you're ready to start cooking? <laughs> right? And God's getting ready to cook something up in your life. And he's saying, I'm just looking for a little bit of oil. I'm looking for a willing vessel. I'm looking for somebody that'll give me what they have. And it is, don't have to be grand. It don't have to be super duper. It just has to be from you. You remember when Jesus went to church and watched when they passed the offering plate? Amen. How do you know he's watching? Because he knew what everybody gave. And he said, that little lady right there outgave all of you. Huh? The big businessman was there and put his blessed check in and it was wonderful. And that's grand and glorious. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. But he said that little woman right there just gave her last might. She just gave, she gave everything that she had, right? Sometimes it's just, just that, that makes the difference. Sometimes it may look insignificant to us. But are you willing to give it to God? Are you willing to surrender it even though it may feel insignificant? All of us want to give grandiose, right? Whatever it is, if it's in an offering, if it's in, in our life, whatever it is, we want to give and give abundantly. But God's saying, I just want, I'm not asking you for some significant thing. I'm not asking you for do something to do something over the top. I'm just asking you to give me what's in your hand and I'm going to work a miracle in your life. And God wants to do that for you and me today. He wants to show us that this thing isn't about our ability. It isn't about our talent. He's just saying, what do you have? Give me your time. Give me your talent. Give me your treasure. And I'll show you what cannot be done in the natural can be done by my supernatural. Amen. In Mark chapter 2, the Bible says that they went to Capernaum and there were some friends there that took a man that was paralyzed and carried him over to where Jesus was. And the Bible says that it was noised abroad that he was in the house. And whenever they got there, you know the story, the house was full. I want to submit to you today that when people know that God is in the house, you won't have a problem filling up a building. Amen. Amen. The reason that we're seeing empty buildings is because nobody knows that God is in the house. Amen. 
But they found out that Jesus was in the house and as a result, everything was filled up. And the Bible says that, that they couldn't get in the door, they couldn't get in the windows and they climb up on the roof and take the roof off and lower the man down into where Jesus was and, and there laying on that, uh, on that cot, Jesus touches him and the man is made whole, right? And, and sometimes we have to understand that, that people are saying, well, uh, you know, it's not about all of the people. It's not about all these things. Well, I'm not interested in filling a building. I'm interested in filling heaven. And secondary consequence of trying to fill heaven, buildings will be filled. Amen. But we have to, we understand that it isn't about all of the accolades of men. It's about doing what God wants. And the Bible says, you know, some people, they, they talk about the great falling away, which is true. And they say that, that there's not going to be many to enter. And I don't believe that at all because you haven't read your Bible. He said, as the stars of the heavens and the sands of the sea, that's going to be the kingdom of God that is advancing. He died that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. That tells me that he wants this whole earth to be filled with his glory and every individual to be saved and none should perish right but we have to tell his story we have to tell that he's a good God we have to tell that we were in a horrible pit and he set our feet up on a solid and a firm foundation he blessed our coming in and going out he wrote our name in the Lamb's book of life and made us a partaker we got to tell our story so that other people will have a hope that they too can be delivered from whatever they're dealing with amen Jesus was in the house, and when Jesus was in the house, people started moving to where Jesus was. Why? Because there was a place of power. You can't have Jesus in the house and there not be any power. Amen. I said you can't have Jesus in the house and there not be any power. Now, we're not talking about just this, this building today. We're talking about us being the temple. And so we're not just trying to get people to come to the church to experience power. We're power in Walmart. We're power on the job. We're power in the school. We have authority and dominion and power is in us. Why? Because Christ lives. Has anybody got Christ living in you? If Christ, the hope of glory, is living on the inside of you, you can't say you're walking around and don't have the power to cast out devils. To lay hands on the sick and see them recover. If the hope of glory, if Christ lives in you, then you have a power source. It's not of our might or our power, but the spirit of the living God lives on the inside of me. So I have delegated authority to tell the devil go back to hell and to tell sickness you got to come off of them in the name of Jesus because the power of Christ lives and dwells on the inside of me. Amen. Not as a preacher, but a believer in the gospel. Amen. So they found out where Jesus was. When people find out Jesus lives in you, look out. <laughs> Amen. When they find out Jesus isn't just over there at 318 Thompson Road, but the, Jesus is living in that little gray-headed mama. 
Huh? Jesus is living in that teenager. Jesus is living on the inside of you. And people begin to believe that and operate in that. I'm telling you, it'll change Christendom in America. Amen. You realize that, in, that, that if we had somebody that raised people from the dead here in America, they'd have them on every news work and TBN would want to be getting them and Daystar and everybody else want to flot them around like... But you realize that in other nations of the earth, people are raising other folks from the dead and nobody even knows their name. It's true. Because they believe the gospel. They believe the hope of glory is in them. And so they just come and say, be healed. Right? It's what Jesus did. The little damsel's daddy was over there saying, could you come to my house? I don't know where he heard it, but he heard it. Maybe, maybe he heard about these four men carrying his friend over there to this house, and the house was filled with his presence. I don't know, but he said, can you come to my house? My little daughter's sick. She's just about to die, Right? Can you come over to my house? And Jesus starts on his way to his house. When suddenly he's interrupted by this older woman that, that is sick and been in affirmity for a long time. She has an issue of blood. And I, and I won't labor this point because I've shared it before. But I believe that it's a picture of the church that Jesus looks at this older woman that, that has this an issue for 12 years. Right? And this young girl that is 12 years old. And he knows there's no need of going and raising a 12-year-old girl from the dead to, to bring her back and place her in a sick church. So he stops long enough to heal the sick woman representing the church that has been sick for 12 years and has this blood issue and is bleeding to death, profusely dying, all every day is dying. And he says, I've got to heal the church before I bring another generation into the church. And I believe that the Lord has been doing some healing in this season that we've been in. And he's about to bring a new generation like we have never seen before. And we've got to be ready for that harvest. I said we've got to be ready for that harvest. They aren't going to look like we do. They're not going to act like we do. They've been through some stuff that, that you and only never thought about or never even dreamed about. But they've already been through it at an early age. But God's going to do a deliverance in their hearts. He's going to change their minds. And he's, he's put a spirit of, of authority and power and boldness inside of them that you and I would never imagine. And it is for such a time as this. Amen. Moses didn't know why he had that militant spirit on the inside of him. Are you walking with me? I know I'm jumping all around, but, but just walk with me. Moses didn't know why he had that militant spirit on the inside of him. He thought it was to kill the Egyptian. Right? But the Egyptian wasn't the problem. Pharaoh was. And so God, when he created Moses, he created him for, for a job, for a task, for a purpose. And he put in him a militant spirit, not to kill an Egyptian, but to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. 
And he said, what if you don't do it? He said, you better do it because if you don't do it, there's going to be consequences, right? And he gave him a militant spirit on the inside of him. And I'm telling you that God has put a militant spirit inside of this generation and they don't know what it's for. They think it's to, to come up against authority. They think it's so that they can be all big, bad, and ugly. They, they don't understand. But I'm telling you, God placed it inside of a generation that is rising because it's going to take a spirit of authority it's going to take a boldness in this generation we can't cower down we can't get weak this spirits are raging homosexual is raging demonic spirits of hell are raging they're controlling our nation and we've got to have a generation of leaders that rise up and say we don't care what you think we're going to declare the kingdom of God has come to the earth and establish God's principles in America again and America will be shifted back to the heart of God if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves you see God's wanting to do a work in this season it's not by some strange coincidence but it is all in the design of God and he's going to show up and he's going to show up with power amen he's going to show up with power and wherever God shows up in power there will always be praise he said, didn't you hear? Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, there is perfected praise. The church has gotten quiet over the past 30 years. See what I mean? <laughs> Thank you for that demonstration. You proved my point. <laughs> the church has got mighty quiet over the past 30 years to where... We don't have any expression anymore. You can hear a mouse tap dancing on cotton. There isn't no jubilant laughter. You, you see, silence is the sound of defeat. And a lot of folks feel like they're defeated, so they're not saying nothing. You don't even need, to, I've probably said this before, but you don't even need to know the score of a game to know who won the game. Just follow the sound. Follow the sound. After the last buzzer, all you have to do is look at both sides of the field or both sides of the, uh, of the, the floor and you will know immediately who's won the game. Just by the sound. And the church somehow has become convinced that we lost. How do I know that? Because we're so quiet. If we believed that we won, we wouldn't need spiritual cheerleaders. And we wouldn't need to do spiritual calisthenics. We would come because we know that it's a pure house. It's a praying house. It's a power house. And because of that, it must be a praising house. Amen. Where there is purity, where there is prayer, where there is power, there will be praise. There will be people that will lift up their voice and glorify God. There will be a shout. What meaneth this shout in the camps of the Hebrews? Their God has come down. <laughs> 
They heard about it and they believed it. Even when Israel didn't believe it, they believed it. Their enemies, if you don't believe the word of the Lord, just listen to your enemy. Because your enemy knows that greater is he that is in you than anything he can bring against you. Amen. Your enemy knows that your God is El Elyon. He's the most high God. There is no God besides you. Your enemy knows that you're already a victor. Amen. And so if you don't believe the word of the Lord, just listen to your enemy. Because your enemy knows that, we, the, the, that he has already been defeated. And I'm telling you today that we have to become people of praise. And we've got to be people of worship. Where that we let the world know when they walk through the doors. Where we walked into Walmart. When we walk into work. You don't have to be over the top. But just a smile can make a change. Amen. It don't take a whole lot anymore. My God. Amen. You can't even get good greeters at Walmart anymore. Amen. I mean, that's... It's the truth. You walk in there, you remember when they used to smile when you walked in? Now they look at you, what you want? <laughs> Remember when they used to take you to where something was? Well, where's the soup at? And they'd say, well, let me take you over here, honey. I'll show you where the soup's at. Now they, aisle 17. Go find it. <laughs> it don't take a whole lot anymore. Just a smile can change things. Because you don't see people smiling anymore. You don't see people laughing anymore. You don't see any joy anymore. It, it's, it's, a, it's a rare commodity. It don't, what am I saying? It don't take a whole lot. Right? Now, you know I'm stretching this. But if I was to be a, in any kind of professional sport, it would be baseball. It's the easiest. I got this figured out. I can go to the plate 10 times, strike out seven, hit the ball three times, and I'm good gold. Amen. If I can bat 300, bless God, I'm in the money. <laughs> That's a pretty good deal, ain't it? Now, I don't know if I'd hit that ball or not, <laughs> but I'm just saying I got to get back here. Got to lay in this plane. <laughs> it don't take a whole lot anymore. The standards have been lowered so low. All you got to do is smile and people will think, well, what you up to? Huh? What would happen? What would happen? We're inviting folks to come next Sunday and the following Sunday and, and, and putting a special emphasis on that. What would happen if they, they did show up and come in here and we were ecstatic about God? What would happen if this place would be filled with praise? I'm not talking about praise, team. God bless them. I'm talking about out of your mouth. Have a smile on your face. Hands lifted toward heaven. Glory, act like you're enjoying it. Amen. Amen. If you can't enjoy it, faith it till you make it. <laughs> 
Just put a smile on your face and say, thank you, Lord. Amen. And let there be a praise that comes out of your heart. Amen. I know everybody can't sing. I understand that. But you can praise. Amen. You can praise. And when praise comes out of your heart, it don't matter how everything else sounds. It may not sound too good to others, but it sounds good to the God of heaven because he knows it is coming from your heart and you're releasing that out of your heart. Amen. Everyone will not like your praise. Everyone won't like your praise. I'm just going to give you notice. And I'm also going to give you permission. If next Sunday you choose to operate in what I'm telling you and somebody, your neighbor, looks at you kind of funny, I give you permission to move. <laughs> Amen. Just find you another seat. <laughs> and just keep on worshiping God. Keep on blessing him. Keep on praising him. Why? Because he, will, he loves your praise. He inhabits your praise. Renee and I was at a church and, and we was pastoring and there's some people got disgruntled and, and got messed, turned sideways about some things. And, and uh, anyways, we had a lady there. She was worshiping God and she'd, she'd get her tamarind and she'd get these flags and she'd, she's crazy. And, but but she, she had a good heart. She meant, and, and people, they, they, some of the leaders, they come to me after service, they say, what you going to do about that? I said, I ain't going to do nothing about that. Why ain't you going to do something about that? It's disturbing me. I said, I can see. <laughs> what they didn't know is Renee and I rode up in a hollow. Everybody here knows what a hollow is. We rode up in a hollow, and they didn't even know we was coming. We just went to was up in that way and knew about where they were and and uh so we we stopped we was going to stop in there and see them and and we we they invited us but it was they didn't know it was coming and uh we we rode up there and, and the house had burnt down and they had another little old building they was living in that little old building and and she had the uh, radio on out there playing worship music and she was out there with her tamarind and her flags dancing around in the front yard and I said, if she can do that with nobody watching, then she can do it up over there at the church anytime she wants to. Amen. Because it was coming out of her heart. She was not trying to impress anyone. She was just loving God with a burnt down house, living in a shack. And out of her heart comes somehow praise and worship. What I come to conclude was the reason why that they got so disturbed is because they knew they should have been praising God like that. There's probably a time in their life when they did praise God like that and now they're just sitting on their hiney. And because of it, conviction gets in their heart because they know that that's the way they used to praise God and they're not doing it no more. That's the conclusion I came to. If we're not careful, we'll allow the opinions of people to stop us from praising God like we really need to praise him. But let me tell you this, and then we'll go today. But your promise is connected to your praise. Your promise is connected to your praise. 
In other words, your praise will release your promise in your life. And if we'll begin to praise God the way that he deserves to be praised, then the promise will flow over into our life and God will do everything that he said he was going to do. Amen? I told you that little story because... Whenever we went to visit them, there's a burnt house living in a little shack. Am I telling it right? She's praising God. They are, uh, her husband is, um, what do you call it? He's an artist. Figure that, imagine that. He was an artist. He made pottery and all that kind of stuff and sold it over to Greenbrier. And I guess got known around the country, maybe the world. But I tell you that story because she was in that front yard praising God. And whenever we left that church, they weren't living in the burnt down house. They weren't living in the hut. They owned three houses. Their promise was connected to her praise. And release what God, what, what I'm saying, I'm not talking about you know, measuring it that way. What I'm talking about is God blessed them because they were always obedient in their praise and their worship. God wants to do that for you. I'm not talking about houses. I'm talking about he wants to release his promise into your life, whatever that is, whatever that need is. But it is in our praise that releases everything that God has promised. Amen. So I just want to share that with you today in the hope that it'll touch somebody where you are, challenge you where you are. Prepare us for these next coming weeks. Pray into the service. You don't have to, you know, of course we've got a time set aside to be praying, you know, into this and that's wonderful and we want everybody to be a part of that because I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this with you. If there's nobody praying for the service, then I'm on my own. So that means that it's all on my shoulders and that whenever I get here, I've got to be on my A game. And then the work that gets done is because of what I've got into it for this week. And believe the Holy Spirit to touch people's hearts. But here's the power of prayer. Whenever I have 10 people agreeing and praying into the service through the week, Holy Spirit is working all week long on people's lives, on people's hearts. And now people aren't coming to hear the message to decide what they want to do with their life. People are coming to wait for the altar response so they can get saved. Amen. I could preach on the three little pigs. Are you hearing me? And people get saved. Big bad wolf come. That's the devil. Right? 
I've preached on tithing right here in this pulpit. I've preached on tithing and people come and give their heart to God. How does that happen? It's not because of what I preached that day. It was because people were praying into the service and somebody's heart was touched. And it didn't matter what I preached on that day. They were coming to give their life to Christ. Amen. What I want to challenge you in these weeks ahead, and it shouldn't just be these weeks ahead, but it's a good starting point, that we pray into the service and ask God, God, meet us on Sunday. God, touch people's lives, minister to their hearts, prepare the soil of their heart to receive with meekness the word of God. Let their lives be changed and challenged by your word. And I'm telling you, it'll change everything. It'll change everything. Stand with me today, please.